So now that we have you here, the moment we've all been waiting for, the question, question you never heard before ever in your life, right here, right now, iPhone or Android, which one, life or death? Android. We're going to have some some possibly unhappy listeners here. Why is that? I, I am a mix before we judge. Uh, I am a mixed ecosystem household. I have a Mac, iPads for the tablets, uh, but Androids for the phone. And 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 I have nothing against iPhones. They're great. Um, I just have always used Android, and you kind of become a creature of habit. How does that even work? How can you? How do you go? It's like it's like all day you're spending spending with the Android, right? And then you go home, and here's the other one. Here's the Apple. How, how does that uh, work? I think by probably most entrepreneurs are really into or many are uh, using the Google ecosystem in terms of uh, email, GDocs, whatever. Um, and, uh, and so it's, it works nicely on, on my, uh, on my, uh, my, my MacBook mm-hmm. as well as it does on a PC, as well as it does on my phone, whether it's Android or, or iPhone. So most of my time is in, in applications that work just fine across the two. Okay. So then Apple is probably more like the leisure, um, do other activities when you get back. Is that kind yeah, of, what I mean, I, I'm working on a MacBook now and, okay. and I think also like, but most of what I do is just through the Chrome browser now. So it doesn't almost, even matter, like, right? <laughs> it doesn't really matter. Like I like my MacBook because uh-huh. of the keyboard and the mouse and like the, the, the human interaction the human machine interactions really dialed it. Mm-hmm. And I used a Dell and it was just garbage. It was just like the software, the hardware, the keyboard, the, like the cameras in the wrong place. Like it just wasn't, it didn't feel right. And the MacBook just feels right. But to be honest with you, it's like I, most of my work is just through a Chrome browser. Yeah. And so someone were to build a machine that was as good as a MacBook in terms of the human interface, uh, machine interface, then I would use that too. It's just, I haven't found that. All right. Good to know. Good to know everybody. John Rinaldi, be sure to check him out. If you're not watching one of the video platforms, YouTube, Facebook, and you're on one of the podcast sites, please go on geobit.com. Uh, it's spelled, listen to this J I O B I T.com. So geobit. It's the world's smallest and longest lasting location solution for kids and pets. Yeah. John Rinaldi, it's a pleasure to have you on. Um, Tell us us a little bit more. Uh, What is a GeoBit? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So I uh, fortunately or unfortunately at the time, unfortunately, lost track of my son uh, down in Maggie Daly Park for those in Chicago next to Grant Park, huge park for kids. Uh, parents, uh, nightmare, a dream, mm-hmm. a, a kid's dream, um, and, and lost track of him pretty quickly upon getting there. Thousands of kids, uh, half an hour of not knowing where your child is, is pretty frightening and traumatic. Um, came back from that experience, realizing that there was really nothing in the market that solved my problem of knowing where your loved ones were when they were that age, mm-hmm. uh, you know, at four, five, six, seven years old. Sometimes it's even hard for them to pronounce their names, let alone try to know where mom and dad are. If they were to find an adult to help them even to figure out where they lived. And so, um, you know, we, we decided that at that time um, there was a great market opportunity 
to uh, to develop something to solve that problem. And so quit my job and started it. And at the time, was there anything else like out there that you tried to uh, beat? Was there a competitor? Yeah. Um, so the products in the market at the time uh, were either big, bulky smartwatches. So these like big oh. things <laughs> that you go on your wrist uh, uh-huh. and they'd only last a few hours. So if you wanted to use them, what we found, I mean, at first I just bought all the current products before I decided to quit my job. Try it out. So I, I tried them all out. I, I was just a dad looking to solve a problem, right? Yeah. I, I, wasn't, I wasn't like an entrepreneur in, wing, in the wings just looking for that right thing. I was just a dad. And, uh, and so I bought these, these big smartwatches to go on the kids' wrists that tracked them and they could communicate. And what ended up happening was, one, the kids wouldn't wear them because they were just too big. They would fall off or they'd switch around. They're just, they wouldn't fit on the wrist of a three, four, five, six, seven-year-old. If you had a 10-year-old, sure, but nothing really that would work for that young age. Uh, then I sent them to school with them, and they were constantly distracted. And so the mm. teacher said you couldn't wear them. Uh, so I'm like, well, that, that doesn't do a lot of good if it can't be worn. Uh, and then <clears throat> they would lose their charge after, you know, within a day. So uh, we would like be going out to a park and I'd grab it and it'd be out of batteries. So I'm like, well, this doesn't really do the mm-hmm. trick. The schools don't allow them in. They're too big and bulky. They're constantly out of power. And the apps, uh, both on, on iOS and Android, were garbage. They just constantly crash and just, just total, total garbage. Um, and so... When I when I looked at that, that wasn't going to work. And then on the flip side, you had uh, Tile. Many people are familiar with that. Bluetooth only. It tells you where the last time your phone saw something. So good for wallets and keys, things that don't get up and walk away. Yep. Uh, but not good for kids because if I were to leave my house right now, I'd say my kids are home. They get up, take their bike out. Since my phone last saw the Tile at home, it says your kids uh-huh. are home. When in reality, they're five. That's walking. the point. Yeah. So uh, I tried all of these things, was totally frustrated, um, and uh, eventually decided to do something about it. And going, going about it and, and making this happen, it sounds like you definitely had to go through some obstacles and loopholes, right? Because a, a product like this, I'm sure as, as good as it is, also had some controversy with it as well, right? Sure. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about what you had to go through to bring this thing actually to market? Yeah. Um, first is... Uh, my wife, <laughs> uh, who would be my first smart wife. answer. Um, and so before I was going to quit my job and actually jump into this, I needed to make sure I had the right support system. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I definitely, I, I, listen, I got two kids married. It, there's a, there's a lot to lose. Uh, yeah. I, I now going through this, I wish I would have made the jump earlier in my, in my life because there's just less, quite frankly, less risk. Um, there's a lot of risk going into it when you've got this stuff and you're used to a certain salary um, and paying the bills and paying the mortgage and whatnot. Um, so yeah, the, the first kind of big step is just making sure your spouse is totally on board with what you're about to do yeah. and understands the risks of like going into it, knowing that like pay eight, nine out of 10 startups are likely to fail I hope that's not the case here. I don't think so, but that's what every entrepreneur mm-hmm. says. So just go in assuming it will fail <laughs> and, and, and make sure that the experience we had was enriching and we took something out of it. Uh, mm-hmm. I never got an MBA. I never went to get my master's. And so I looked at this as like, hey, you know, I'm probably going to come out of this with as much knowledge as I would have going through an MBA 
a better network or is as good of a network. Um, and, and I've probably made some really great impacts along the way. Um, and, uh, and if we can make something of it and there's a great upside, so be it. Uh, if, if yeah. it totally implodes, I don't, don't want to say it's fine, but I'm going to pick up and we'll be okay. Um, and, and we went in with that mentality. Okay. Um, so that was, that was the first sort of hurdle. Mm -hmm. Um, and then listen, like any journey, a bajillion other hurdles along the way, whether it's technology, market, uh, people, you name it. What about specifically when it comes to, uh, cause this is a tracking device. So specifically security and uh, those kind of reasons. Um, have you had people come toward, you know, at you or companies and be like, Hey, you're, you know, you're doing this wrong. You you can't be, you know, encroaching on people's security or their privacy, blah, blah, so blah. I'd say in our customer discovery. So as we started talking to people right away, you know, yeah. putting, putting early prototypes MVP into the market to get feedback on, um, it was probably the one number one or number two thing that a parent would say, which was if you've made it so easy for me to see how easy is it for somebody else? Yeah. Um, and that's a concern for me because me as a mom or dad, especially at the time, uh, we're talking when we started 2015, 2016, uh, every other week and, and even now, but IOT, the concept of IOT was still kind of new of having these internet connected things in my home. All IOT, can you tell us exactly what that is? Uh, yeah, the internet of things. Um, okay. So, you know, nest cameras, uh, doohickeys around my house, anything that's connected to the internet. Okay. Uh, in 2005, 2016, 2015, sorry, in 2016, uh, there had been a, a the start of hacking these things by uh, a variety of different parties mm-hmm. uh, that would put malware on them. They'd create botnets, all, all sorts of different things. And one of them, very notably, was a connected children's toy, like a teddy bear, huh. that would record sounds. And, and as the child would talk to the teddy bear, the teddy bear would reply, but the, the company stored all of the voice recording huh. of the children on an unencrypted and password unprotected site. So if you just knew the URL, what? you could get access to the entire file system of every voice of the child. Of That's crazy. And so this was on the mind of, uh-huh. of modern parents For sure. at that time. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it, it came up. And so we knew from day one, we needed to, really make sure that we approached encryption, security, uh, regulations. Uh, mm-hmm. There is a regulatory body um, that is responsible for protecting information and data, digital information of children under the age of 13, called COPA. Yep. Uh, so we needed to make sure that we were uh, not just compliant, but independently audited for that. Um, and then we set out a goal after hearing all this feedback from customers around these concerns, we set out a goal to say, hey, listen, this security technology and this, in, this location technology should be as secure or you know, more, more secure than anything in the consumer market, but would be good enough for using in the military, like military yeah. grade type of security and encryption, like mil spec type levels. Um, and that's, that's what we set out as our goal um, right away um, yeah. to deliver that for, for our customers. Um, Little did we know that years later, we'd actually be building location technology for the intelligence agencies and for uh, the United States Air Force. Um, so that ended up working. 
that's kind of wild how all of a sudden there you go. You're working on this huge project and you probably did not expect it to yeah. go that far, right? Yeah, for sure. Can you uh can you tell us a little bit more about that or is that all secret and confidential? <laughs> uh some of it is certainly uh confidential. Um, and so I'll have to be careful on what I can say. Uh, but listen, you know, as as parents um, or pet parents, yes, uh, you want to know uh, and, and have peace of mind that the things that matter most to you are safe and secure and okay. Yes. Uh, when I can't be there, mm-hmm. and um, and so that same worry, uh, if you think about my family being, you know, my nuclear family, um, whether you're, you know, a platoon leader or whether you're commander, you're people become that family too. And so uh, there are similar worries and similar problem statements. Whereas if you're looking to understand where your family is and making sure yeah. they're okay, you want to know, um, you want to know that. And, and you can't depend on smartphones. Smartphones have been hacked. Uh, there's lots of security uh, issues with, with smartphones. So something that's fully controlled um, that doesn't have uh, any security concerns for them um, and, and as you think about the things that I'd want to track in addition to personnel, um, can also be other important things that I want to know where they are. So if I'm sure my, my, the, my precious asset may be something that I'm pushing out the back of a C-130. Um, and if I had a misdrop on that parachute and we can't find it and that object was, you know, small, but cost a hundred thousand dollars, I'm, I'm not going to look very good. Uh, and so I want to make sure that I have the peace of mind that even if I failed on my mission of that airdrop, we could recover that very expensive object. So not too many of us, you know, are able to work on a governmental contract, for example, and, you know, get into that space. How hard was it to, to even get in there? Cause I, I'm sure that had to be a very rigorous process. Uh, yeah. I mean, fortunately there's been a lot of work in the past few years by, the Department of Defense and by others uh, in in the government space to make it easier to work with the government. Um, And it's called the Small Business Innovation uh, Contracts. It's it's called CIBR. Um, And what that does is it says, hey, listen, there are small businesses um, and startups that have really great technology that we can apply to our mission. uh, But the the industrial complex is set up that these contracts typically go to the big behemoths, the, the Raytheons, the Boeings, et cetera, et cetera, um, that, by the way, we're, we're probably ignoring some better technology that's out there because we're set up in this way. And so Cibber was created to embrace smaller businesses um, and allows a different way in through procurement and contracting um, that companies like ours can take advantage of and get cutting edge technology into the, the government, not just the Air Force, but other branches of the yeah. military, as well as other aspects of the government in a way that uh, is, quite frankly, you know, the, the not the, uh, the old way of doing business um, moves faster. Um, you know, you obviously have to be compliant to the basics and be operating um, in, in good faith, but uh, allows you to move a little bit quicker, a little bit more nimble. Um, and they partner you with people inside of the Department of Defense that are your counterparts. Uh, so it's been it's been actually a, a very great experience. Um, Sounds like it. Getting in through Cyber was was a great way for any small business uh, to sort of bypass the the old way of doing things. So anyone that wants that has an idea or has a small business 
they could what just Google Sibir um, and yep. find S-B- more about this. Yep, S B I R. Just Google that. You'll learn all sorts of stuff about it. Uh, they'll have like pitch days where they'll have like Sibir mm-hmm. pitch days. You apply to get in. You pitch, um, and it's you obviously have to have a product or a technology that could be used by these people and and they will give the uh the market they will say hey we are looking for you know as part of cyber we are looking things to solve these problems mm-hmm. right they they will dig, they will list this out like we are looking for you know rapid testing for covid we are looking for dot 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 yeah especially right now yeah one of those is we want to track our assets we want to track personnel we want to track things um, and, and here's why. And so we're, we're looking for solutions out there that could do that. Um, and so we, we married our, um, you know, what we're doing to, to their need and, uh, and now have been able to receive multiple contracts from Civil. So now like, not just that you're getting probably audited by these child children agencies, you got the government on you too, right? So now you're like super covered, right? You got to make sure everything yeah. eyes are uh, dotted, right? T's are crossed. Which, Cause it's gotta be a lot. Which just gives, you know, I think in a business like ours, uh, you have to make sure you're not distracted. Uh-huh. You, 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 in, in our case, we always make sure there are always dual purpose features and capabilities that we deploy. So if we're going to build something for consumer land, we always try to think how could our, our business customers or government customers use something similar. If we're talking to the Air Force and they have a feature called return to base, which is an alert to bring people back to the base. We think of, well, how could we deploy that in a consumer setting such that a child could say, hey, I got to my friend's house and have some sort of two-way communication. So we always try to make sure there's dual purpose. Um, But the other benefit of having that enterprise side is as you have security and as you build this encryption, those relationships allow to give you some authenticity and credibility to validate that, hey, I actually did all these really tough security encryption things so that you as mom and dad don't have to worry about it. You know, there's not a lot of third party certifications that you can yeah. say like, I'm super secure. <laughs> I don't know. Like what, what, there's not, there's not a lot of ways you can yeah, do that. No. Um, you know, you can, you can obviously say, Hey, I'm FCC certified. So I'm safe to use in a wireless way. Or I have, you know um, you know, maybe UL certification to make sure the electronics don't start a fire. All these things are for other physical things that give you certification and validation but for security and encryption in this country, we have a general wild west that every company is saying that they're secure or whatever mm-hmm. it is. And then all it takes is somebody to hack it, say, mm, actually, it wasn't. You said you were all secure, but you weren't. And so, you know, having, I think, the one COPA regulation helps provide some of that. Not, mm-hmm. not all, but some. Having the work with our government customers certainly helps provide that to our our consumer customers. Um, and then also we have hired, um, and we didn't have to do this, but we hired a third party uh, penetration testing company, White Hat Hackers, to say, here, go nuts, try to hack our platform, That's our cool. software, our hardware, yeah. and, and see what you can do. Um, and, and then we use those reports to partners and others to get them comfortable that, yeah, everything we said we're doing, we actually do. Do you think being so, you know, so entrenched in this world of, of security privacy, do you think that we're going in the right direction with that? Or as we get bigger, as we get more capable, more technology, that this is going to become a bigger and bigger issue? It's going to become a bigger and bigger issue. Um, California has started 
some regulations around the Internet of Things uh, protection and privacy and encryption for security. Uh, it needs to be at the federal level. Um, we need to have uniform you know, regulations for, for consumers and companies so that, hey, I, I can you know, sell my product in, in, in you know, Utah, but not California. Like it, it, it create when every state has different regulations around encryption um, it, it, and, and, and controls around security. That's it, not a good thing for commerce, and it's not a good thing for the consumer either. So there does need to be a stronger focus on instilling a minimum set of requirements to, to be able to sell a product. If you're going to store or transmit somewhat sensitive information, Nest cameras, you know, smoke alarms, all these things, uh, including things like geobits, uh, there should be a uh, a minimum set of of requirements that said this yeah. this this is as safe as you could expect. Like anything can be hacked with enough time effort, but mm-hmm. you need to make it so difficult such that it's not worth their effort. Uh, and so many of these products that get released in in the consumer market are 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 just wide open, and and doesn't take any effort to try to hack them much at all. Huh. So what you're saying is that we could be out for even worse times, like when it comes to hacking and all that, right? Because there's not as much security in place. Yeah. I mean, so many of these devices are um, are, are wide open. Uh, it, it allows nefarious parties to do botnet attacks. Uh, it allows them to steal information from consumers, allows them to monitor eavesdrop. I mean, you name it um, these, these actors can do. And, and, and even, you know, to the point of being, you know, ransomware to say, Hey, look at, I've been spying on your house. You know, do you want me to release this to everybody? I got some, you know, maybe unflattering things that are inside your home. Um, these are all things that are very possible. Um, and until we really focus on this, most companies Mm -hmm. do not focus on security day one. They only focus on security after they've been caught. Yeah. Um, and, common, you know, common theme here in America, right? It's a theme. No one really, or I should say, very few, very few companies and even fewer startups will take the effort, time, and investments to really, really, really button up and build out a strong, strong security architecture. And, and they only do it after they've been caught. And interesting point you bring up with the ransomware. Do you know, like, is that happening? Have you heard of any cases of that being used against people? Um, I have not. I, I certainly have seen, I mean, of course, ransomware on computers, um, on your personal machines. But I mean, it doesn't take too much of a stretch of imagination to think that that's on the horizon. If, if mm-hmm. I've got ransomware to get into my laptop and if someone is able to hack into my cameras in my home and be able to use AI and machine learning to filter through all the images and just find something where, you know, somebody, an executive, somebody important, you know, spanks their kid. And that's like, Hey, listen, that's a parenting thing, you know, but that might not be something you want the whole world to see or whatever it is, right. Me walking around in my underwear, I I have no idea. Uh, But there could be some unflattering things where they, they use that for ransomware just Mm -hmm. Hey, you're bringing me back to Homeland. I don't know if you watch it, but uh, <laughs> I'm thinking exactly of a moment. You probably know what I'm talking about mm-hmm. with Max. Um, but yeah, this is a great, uh, you know, when you talk about the government and now, you know, letting them, letting every state kind of do their own thing. 
they're kind of doing the same thing right now with the whole, you know, the the, the elephants in the room, uh, COVID-19 with what's yeah. happening across the entire nation right now. And, you know, as we're recording this episode today, um, we are still, you know, in a, in a lock shelter in place pretty much across the country. Uh, yeah. Across the entire country. And um, what they're saying is that now every state's going to kind of do their own thing. Um, how do you, uh, how do you feel about that? Do you think things should still be delegated down to every state to make their own decisions? Um, you know, listen, I, I, I try to look at this through a couple different lens. Um, I've got friends and family members in areas where there are little to no infection rates inside of Illinois. You know, Illinois is more than just Chicago. Uh, being in this region, we, we, we think through that lens of Illinois and Chicago, like everything must be like this, but it's not. Uh, there are many areas in the state uh, that have very little infections um, and, and have lots of distancing between them. You know, they're on farms or rural areas. And even if they go to stores, that are non-essential, there's two or three people in that shop, right? Like I'm going into Ace Hardware, there's only four people in here anyways. Um, but if it's shut down, you know, does that make a lot of sense? I don't know. Like as long as I think you give some standard levels uh, across the country, listen, we all have open borders. So, you know, if, if we in Chicago as a region are able to control this virus and, and we all do a good job of it, well, if somebody lands at O'Hare from Spain or lands at O'Hare from Louisiana or wherever, it's not to say anything about those states are bad or countries are bad, but just some comes in that we, we didn't control, now we're right back to where we started. So there has to be a minimum set of federal and national standards of testing and certifications and social distancing and what have you. And then there has to be the ability for municipalities, not just states, but even at the county or city levels to adapt to that uh, as it relates to the situation on the ground. Um, I get both sides, but they both have to be there. They, there can't be all just states and municipalities and it can't be all just federal government. There has to be, there has to be both in place. Um, and until we do, um, you know, I, and by the way, I don't see this happening yeah. yet. Uh, but in, once we do have that, then I'll feel much better uh, about opening up my business. And being being a smaller business, um, you know, not a large corporation or anything. How how is this affecting you? How how is how have things changed? Um, well, uh, we have a product. Uh, we we've been talking yeah. about it. So our um, of course our, our our business customers are fairly unaffected by this. Um, so our revenues are are untouched from that. A fortunate, we also have a reoccurring revenue stream from our consumer business. And, and fortunately, we built a brand that consumers trust and love. And so I'm assuming you have like a reoccurring monthly subscription. Yes, correct. That's right. Um, and so fortunately, a large percentage of our customers continue to pay those bills. Listen, our monthly reoccurring charge is not 50 or 60 bucks. Yeah. Uh, it, it's, you know, five or 10 bucks that's showing up. And so, you know, now if this lasts for years and years, are people going to continue paying that? Probably not. Um, but we're going to get the benefit of the doubt from our current customers. Um, so that continues uh, well, which, which is a great aspect of our business model. The fact that you can basically sell nothing, but still have revenues coming in. Uh, but that gets to the last point is, you know, you still obviously have to grow. Yeah. Um, and so if I can't sell new product and acquire new customers, you know, I'm flat growth. Uh, if not, you know, just have your normal attrition that you'd have regardless. Um, and so our new product sales have been uh, significantly um, reduced. 
uh, as you would imagine for consumers. Uh, if if your child is just with you by your side all day long, yeah. seems like a luxury. Yeah, uh, you know, there's no need to track them because I'm not going into crowded places. I'm not going on vacations. I'm not, you know, they're not going to school. They're not getting on the bus. And so, um, you know, we are working on new features, new capabilities, new ways to position the product. I think we all have cabin fever right now. So as parents, <laughs> we're trying to get out. So I think that does offer an opportunity yeah. for us. Uh, but listen, our, right in the in the short term, our revenues of new product sales are down significantly. And so uh, it, it, you know, it hurts uh, in a, in a big big way. Have you had to lay anyone off? We unfortunately did. Yeah. Um, so we have a large number of really talented customer experience um, folks on our team. And uh, unfortunately, you know, when, when you have an 80% drop in sales, uh, that means you have pretty much an 80% drop of customers to talk to. Yeah. Um, because most of our customer contacts happen within the two first two weeks of product ownership. Um, and so, you know, you're in a situation where, you know, your, your planned revenues and growth, you know, you have a huge revenue hole, um, and, and you have then a work hole where there's just not as much stuff to do for some of those folks. And so, um, and then you're not out spending a lot of money on marketing. So, you know, how can you have a huge marketing team if, if you're not necessarily out acquiring lots of customers and it's by no fault of anybody's. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, we, we unfortunately did have to adjust our, our resourcing and, and fortunately now uh, with the PPP and other things that the government is doing on the stimulus um, and the fact that our business is now stabilizing to start to rebound very slightly, but we've seen sort of the Valley uh, we can now comfortably start to look at rehiring some of those people and bringing them back from from furlough or laid off. Um, yeah. And so we're starting to do that now. We'll hire back our first individual um, probably this week or next. Oh, that's great. That's great news. Um, has this affected, though, temporarily, like company morale and stuff? Like, did you have to do a lot of upholding yeah, at the moment? Yeah, for sure. I mean, and, and rightly so. Listen, I mean, yeah. in a small business and, 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 and many businesses, um, you know, you you become, you know, the, the lines between personal and professional have become blurred for many people in the workplace. And these people aren't just their coworkers, they're their friends. And uh, you can't help but be affected when you see a friend that's impacted by this in a real way, regardless of unemployment or not, right? Like, yeah, you know, financially they're okay, but like, there's still a huge emotional impact that happens uh, that you, you will be empathetic. Um, so it's uh, very understandable that that impacts them. Uh, we try to be as gracious and compassionate as we can be, uh, given the circumstances, paying for people's health care 100 percent, you know, for the next four months or so. Um, we're doing what we can. Um, but, you know, we, we also can't the, the business can't die. Otherwise, yeah. now we've affected all <laughs> of the employee families. And so, you know, it's very tough calls to make. Uh, again, you try to be as compassionate as you can, trying to stay in contact with those people, trying to hire them back as the company financials, as the market dictates. Um, and, and I spend now a vast majority of my time on, you know, talking to our employees and you yeah. know, doing what we can to help them. I mean, listen, we're, we're, they're not just had layoffs and the friends got affected but they're now working from home when they weren't expecting to. 
They have to be teacher and principal and coworker if they have kids. Mm -hmm. They're stressed out about all the information that's coming on on a daily basis of death. They are dealing with a spouse that might be worried about their job. I mean, all of these things are happening at once. Of course, people, whether we laid people or not, off or not, morale is probably going to be a problem. Yeah. And so uh, I you know, am probably 75% therapist. <laughs> yeah, no, that's something I could relate to right now too. And um, you know, what they say, and it, usually, it, it is always the case, you know, during moments like this, uh, especially anytime we go through uh, severe downturns, opportunities come about. But sooner or later, you have to start looking at what could come about and what changes we can make and re- adjustments in our lives. In yeah. our lives, and what do you tell? Uh, what advice do you have for these individuals? Um, it doesn't have to be specifically your employees, but like yeah. anybody laid off right now. Like, what advice do you have for them? Well, you know, I'd say that I'm fortunate that I've been through the dot com bubble and burst, um, and I went through nine eleven and two thousand eight, the Great Recession. So. Now, this is definitely unique, um, but we know eventually we will come out the other side and things will return. We don't know when, but it will. Um, people, I think, that haven't gone through some of those downturns and haven't just experienced it themselves, you know, there's a little bit of like the end of the world feeling like, oh my God, oh, like yeah. the weight of this is so heavy. Um, but if I remember, the weight of 9-11 was so heavy. Like, it, it felt it, it different but similar. And, uh, and you know that there's just that, like, that fear, um, and you focus on the numbers, and you're just, like, in this fear zone. And eventually, you work your way out of it, and, and it takes humans, I think, a while to just mm-hmm. adjust to the new situation of the new normal that we always hear. Uh, but that's true. Like you eventually adjust to what's going on. You're like, okay, we're going to have to live in this world where we have to socially distance. We're going to have to figure this out. And, and so now how do we adapt a growth mindset to just make the best of it? How do we move forward? Because just dwelling on the fear is, uh, is destructive. Uh, it, it, it can bring about depression. It's no one wants to do that. And so I think it's getting ourselves into that growth mindset, totally acknowledging what's going on, not minimizing that, but how do we adapt and how do we not just survive, but thrive as humans, as family members and employees and companies, given the new set of circumstances that we're in and understanding and acknowledging that there are things that are probably not going to change in the short term. Uh, and so how do we, how do we figure that out? You think, you think this is, uh, gonna get it, you know, kind of give in soon you think, or do you think we're, uh, are you on the pessimistic side that it comes back stronger and worse in the fall winter months? Uh, I think a lot of that's going to depend on how we react over the next couple of months. Um, okay. and so I think the answer that I, that I think is, I don't know yet because, uh, I don't yet see how we're going to be putting in place processes, controls to make sure it doesn't happen. Right. So if you just open up everything and everyone goes back to work and we just forget this all happened and don't learn from it. Yeah. I'm really pessimistic. If, uh, if we open up in a controlled way and we have testing in place where, you know, we have to get, I believe we have to get to the point where we can have daily or every 48 hour testing. And if that's the case, this and it's like a Starbucks drive-through where I'm getting my coffee and my test at the same time. 
it's, I believe it's a passport. It's, yeah. hey, I, I tested negative this morning. I can get on the CTA. I can get on the Metra. I can go to work. Cool, right? Like, and if you can ensure that, um, and, and you can ensure we're still socially distancing, we can ensure that that same practices are applied at, through TSA security when we travel in the airports. Um, there's, there's, I think, opportunities for us to solve the problem and control it in a way that doesn't come back anyways. But if we just think that this won't happen and we just open up and we all just go to the airports and we're all just up on each other and we're high-fiving everybody and licking our fingers and touching yep. each other, like, we're right back here again in six months. And so that's, that's the, the worry I have is people don't think about that and we don't put in the right investments um, and companies don't do this. I think governments will say one thing and companies and business owners will say another. Uh, you know, if, if, if I have a business and I bring my employees in and one of them gets somebody else sick, they're going to organize and say, hey, my company isn't doing enough to protect us. As much as we want to say the governments, you know, will say we want to open up for business. When people start dying and people start getting yeah. sick, you can't hide from that. You can't wish that away. And so when that happens, and you're already starting to see some of this with Amazon employees, grocery employees, when they die, they're going to be like, what are you doing to protect me? And if the company doesn't do anything, employees will organize and they will force those companies to do something about it, regardless of what the government says or not. And so I believe companies will have to really drive a lot of this for their employees um, and you're seeing people like Max Levchin say some of these things as well, uh, saying, hey, you know, what are companies going to do here? What are we forget what the government's saying? What are we going to do about testing? Do companies need to start investing in testing? Yeah. This is a very, very interesting way of looking at it. No, I definitely uh, appreciate you giving that answer because I think it's going to be a wild, hectic next few months of we're not really sure what's going to happen 100% because keeps things changing, uh, keeps yep. keep on changing every day. Yep. Um, but yeah, for everybody tuning in and you want to learn more, want to learn more about GeoBits, about John Rinaldi himself, be sure to check out geobit.com. That's J-I-O-B-I-T.com. Um, as well as uh, John Rinaldi, you can go on on LinkedIn, and you're all you're on all major social media platforms as well, right? Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. I saw you, um, and uh, yeah. But now we're officially through round one and part one of the show, and we're moving on to our listeners' favorite segment of the show, where we're really quickly uh, just gonna learn a little bit more about you. But for this round, Miro is taking off. Miko, his evil twin, is gonna take over. <laughs> Welcome to the round with no name, because they're all taken. Aha. Well, you know, if you were really as evil twin, you'd have a Sox hat and a Cubs hat. Yeah. Oh, man. That is that is good. I'm going to have to take you up on that offer. Uh, you I'm have, have to one with a bill that says Cubs, and then you just turn it around, and it's a Sox. That'd be, that'd be really bad. I, I don't know. I don't even know if Miro would like that. But Miko is here now, and... We are moving on to our favorite segment of the show. You're going to have five seconds to initiate an answer for every single question I give you. We just want to know more about you without you thinking about it too much. Okay. So without further ado, here we go. What is your favorite book? Uh, my favorite book would be Devil in the Rights, White City. Oh, my uh, fiance is reading it, actually. She's been stuck halfway through that book for the last three years, but 
She's still reading it. Favorite movie? Uh, Favorite movie. I don't know if I have a favorite movie, but if I had to think just really quick, the first one that comes to my mind would be Aliens. Ooh, okay. Okay. That's a good one. Yeah. It's a good time right now to watch that kind of movie. Mm -hmm. Right? (laughs) (laughs) Stranded on an island for the unforeseeable future. You can't bring a person, but you can bring one thing. What do you bring? Uh, a laptop with a data card or some sort of satellite data, something, something where I have uh, access, internet, access to the internet. And a uh, solar-powered battery. Oh, right? yeah, and solar-powered battery. There you go. How do you drink your coffee? With a little bit of cream. A little bit of cream. Nice and easy. If you had an unlimited amount of money right now, you can start up any business you wanted, not your own. What would it be? Uh, something around education. Something for kids that are in underprivileged areas, don't have access to uh, teaching um, and, and great education. What is your favorite app? Uh, uh, wow. Yeah. Uh, probably, uh, <laughs> this is going to sound super boring. Um, weather app. <laughs> no, even more boring. Um, I have, uh, my wife has asthma. And so we have to make sure our, in, our internal air is very clean. Huh. Be these air purifiers behind me. And so I also have a uh, seat right there against the wall, a little air quality monitor. Okay. And so I'm constantly checking our internal air quality. <laughs> nice. Nice. Not bad. Not bad. Um, well, no, that one, that's, that's a serious issue, but yeah, definitely. Uh, probably an app. Not too many of us know that. Right. <laughs> Do I personally push my wedding that's supposed to be this summer in July to next year? Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, that's it. Miko is out. But Miro is back. <laughs> All right. So you survived with Miko, the evil twin. He didn't go too, too, too much on you today. He just kind of, you were actually good. You answered everything pretty quick. He didn't have to, uh, get rowdy and, and loud. So we, uh, we survived. You survived. Everybody, John Rinaldi, check him out at geobit.com, J-I-O-B-I-T.com. It's, uh, it's been a pleasure. Thanks so much for taking the time, being here on this episode here of Boss to Boss. Uh, the mic is yours if you have any closing thoughts. Uh, no, thanks for having me. And, uh, you know, I, uh, I think that everyone... Um, needs to really think, uh, everyone that's listening, really think about what they can do, I think, to get out of the fear zone and into the growth mindset, knowing that what we've got in front of us isn't going away for a while. So let's all make the best of it. Uh, but being safe and, and thinking about um, maybe the other people that might be more affected than us, uh, whether we've got parents uh, or people with um, asthma or other type of, of things. So just let's be mindful about our neighbors and friends, uh, even if it might be not affecting us. Oh yeah, especially asthma right now. I didn't even think about that. So that that app is more important than ever too. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. we're we're more worried. All right. Well, thank you. Thanks again for being on, and definitely looking forward to the future and to getting through this thing together. Awesome. That is all for this episode of Bossed to Boss. Your next step is to visit boss2boss.com where you will find proven techniques followed by professionals to help you make that next step. Again, that is boss, the number two boss. 
www.thetimeisnow.com. And remember, the time is now.